0: Hi, welcome to This Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor, and each week, my friends and I talk to inspirational but down-to-earth people who are achieving life-changing results by investing in property. This week, I'm talking to Tom Lewis. Tom is a professional tennis coach who started investing in property as a way out of exchanging his time for money and to create a pension plan for later life. After starting out investing in buy-to-let properties, Tom moved into serviced accommodation and now operates one of the most successful SA businesses in the Midlands. Tom talks to us about the ups and downs of serviced accommodation as a strategy, how to build a team and inspire loyalty, and how managing property for other landlords is allowing him to scale his business quickly. Let's hear now from Tom Lewis. Hi Tom, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thank you, Mark. Good. Good to see you. Um, you and I have known each other for—I oh, got to think—I don't know how long. Twenty years? Uh, it must be twenty years, I guess. Yeah, something yeah, something like that. In uh, started off in life outside of property, but um, yeah, I'm still. I know you are, are, are doing some really. Really uh, impressive stuff within the world of serviced accommodation. You've been a big inspiration for, for us in, in starting our service accommodation business a few years ago as well. So can't wait to get into some of that, into some of that with you. But um, for those of you that, that, that don't know you, maybe you could start with a bit of background about yourself, how you got started in property, and I guess why you got started in property and um, where things all kind of kicked off for you. Just, just a little bit then. Okay,
1: yeah. so uh, yeah, um, well, I, I as Mark alluded to, we've known each other a long time. Uh, both were professional tennis coaches, so that's how we, we met. Um, and basically, although I love tennis coaching and I love the job, the thought of going outside at 60 and coaching outside in the rain fills me with terror. So um, we started looking at property as something just as a pension plan, really, and Stuck some money into buying some buy to lets, um, and I guess it, it seems like it's a big orchestrated plan because things have gone quite well. But really, it's just stumbled from from one thing to the next as it's as it sort of uh, as we've gone through as it's evolved. Yeah.
0: So you, yeah. you actually started out with with buy to lets. So you were so you you, you invest in in Leicester and the Midlands, don't you? Was was it? Um, was, was the idea to grow a buy-to-let portfolio or did you have your eye on serviced accommodation from the start? How did that sort of evolve?
1: Um, no, we had our, our mind on buying just buy-to-lets and build, growing a portfolio of those. Um, we were, I guess, fortunate enough to that the first ones we found, we got at such a good deal that we were able to buy them, do them up, refinance them and get all of our money back out so we were able to keep going a bit. Um yeah um and I guess the the first one that we did a proper job of a refurb on you know back to the bricks did it all from scratch we were like oh this place is beautiful someone's going to really love living here and then the first tenants that lived there you know did love living there but didn't clean it didn't look after it six months later it you know it looked terrible and we were a bit horrified yeah I guess in that six months we felt we'd learned quite a lot and we were looking for ways to increase our cash flow, so I didn't have to do so many hours coaching in the winter and stuff. And so the choice was service accommodation or HMO. Yeah, I think both me and my wife had not really enjoyed the shared house experience. Right. Whilst you know union stuff, and fortunately with the tennis coaching, I'd had the chance to travel quite a lot, and we'd stayed in a lot of Airbnbs. Yeah, when we were doing that, and felt we'd got quite a good experience of you know what it takes to host a good airbnb not just in terms of the quality of the property but the service side of it as well because with you must be the same we stayed in thousands of places and you were like well we know what a good host looks like and what a bad one looks like so it seemed like a natural fit to go into that yeah um and we were a little bit lucky because i guess it's unusual that a, a large development would let you do service accommodation there's not too many of the bigger places you know where the freeholders would allow it but because we bought a substantial chunk of the building they they sort of allowed us to to carry on and it's just kind of grown and you know organically really from there we haven't gone out of our way to yeah advertise particularly we've just you know friends family acquainted people that we've met along the way like oh would you consider doing this this and this and it's just you know we've kind of looked at it as what's the next challenge that this next project brings and what will we get from it? And do we want that challenge? Is it worth taking on? And, you know, it's it's gone that way really.
0: So your first service accommodation unit. So tell us a bit about a bit more about that. So that was a buy to let you already owned that you converted in service accommodation. So is that right? Is that how it started? So I guess that was a good way for you to sort of test the market, test your own systems
1: yeah yeah we were, we were fortunate you know in that the, the property wasn't particularly expensive to buy so the 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 cost of running it for six months if it didn't work wasn't too bad we sort of said we'll give it we'll give it a couple of you know six months to see how we get on see if we think it's going to work or not I think literally we we put it online and had it photographed by a local photographer you know and they did a beautiful job of it and took probably three weeks worth of bookings in the first 24 hours. So like, I definitely think it'll work. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, just sort of, you know, gone from there. You add bits in, take things away, sort yeah. of learn what works and what doesn't. And yeah, just keep So uh,
0: contrast that with your experience of running it as a buy-to-let then. So in terms of kind of net cash flow, that kind of thing, What so for anyone that maybe owns... Buy to let's already or potentially is thinking about um approaching existing landlords about their buy to let portfolio and, and and potentially managing it as serviced accommodation. What what differences are you seeing between presumably it's um you know it's a com- there's a compelling reason to get into SA right now at the moment. Yeah, I mean
1: we bought it as a, a pretty grotty, already lived in buy to let, and I think it was achieving the princely sum of three hundred and seventy five pounds a month. So I mean it wasn't a it wasn't setting the world on fire, but I mean, yeah. that was still doing us a little bit of profit and it yeah. got us into the game.
2: Yeah.
1: After the refurb, we were getting £650 a month rent for it. Yep. Um, I think our worst month as a service department was about £1,200. Right. Considering going through coronavirus pandemic and stuff, yeah. I didn't think that was too bad. Yeah. I guess on average, it, we come out with, it turns over about 1600 a month. Yeah generally speaking um at the moment doing a bit better than that but you know that's that's kind of where we're at really yeah Um, fantastic i think mortgage you know business rates insurance all that kind of stuff stands us at about 550 quid a month on that place so it's not it's not too bad really so
0: just over a thousand pound net you know for what was essentially achieving you three seven five right back when you first acquired the property, so that's a fantastic journey you've taken that on um, what's your target market so what 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 sort of uh, what's your guest
1: avatar who are you looking to appeal to within your business so um I, it kind of depends a bit on the particular property so the the ones we're talking about at the moment that are in the center of Leicester, we went for like the i guess. Like white collar worker slash tourism market, so they you know the apartments are done up, decorated and dressed pretty highly. Yeah. Um, we'd kind of looked at what was around in the market already, and there was a lot of you know average contractor kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there was only a few people offering like a really decent you know, 300 meg broadband, flat screen TVs. Nice furniture, lots of soft throws and pillows and, you know, that kind of stuff. Nicely designed interiors. There wasn't much of that about. So that was the market we went after.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So how, how have things moved on since then? So that was your first unit. So what do things look like? How many are you operating now? And uh, I, I know you've, uh, you're have you in the process of really scaling up quite considerably. So w- what do things look like for you now?
1: Yeah, so we're, we're currently operating... Um, 32 are up and running day to day at the moment and there's another 24 that will be with us by Easter next year. They'll all be live they're sort of coming on in a phased yeah. you know, stage by stage as they go through. So yeah um, the first ones we got was about eight different apartments. We're now at 10 that we own me and my wife myself yeah. and then the rest are ones that we manage for other people okay. So how does that work, the management side of things then, and how did you get into that? Um, So the management side just came about from some of our friends that owned properties, and we'd sort of said we weren't sure about the area, so we'd give it a go and see if it worked for us, Um, and this was the sort of way between us that we came up with, us and the landlord, that they were happy with. So we take a percentage of the turnover and, you know, look after the day-to-day running of the place and the operations. Yeah. Um, Some of the guys we look after are quite, you know, active. They want to know what's going on day to day all the time. And some of the guys are like, don't ring me unless the place burns down. (laughs) You know, they just don't want anything to do with it. Just send them a statement and and that'll be fine. Yeah. What we have done with the managed ones is we've only taken on where it's like a whole block of apartments or the people own the building, you know, so... We wanted to be able to have like complete control of the experience the guest has from the instant they arrive in the car park or at the front of the building. So you don't have to walk past, you know, bags of rubbish on the floor, someone's takeaway left over, that kind of stuff. We could control everything. So it's been like pub conversions where someone's bought a pub, turned it into six, seven flats, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: That's a really good point. And that that's the kind of like insight that comes with experience, isn't it? Because you wouldn't necessarily consider that when or or even know to consider that when you first get into something like service accommodation, you might just think, well...
2: If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts, by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a flat down the road or there's a house and, you know, I I can rent that out by the night. Jobs are good and kind of thing. But actually, it's it's things like the neighbours and the parking arrangements and rubbish disposal, all those sorts of things that actually impact on whether this is going to be a long-term you know successful proposition isn't it
1: yeah and you know yes you could take 50 places like one bed flat here there and everywhere but actually you run your cleaning team ragged and they end up getting up with you you know that kind of stuff whereas you know if they if it's a designated building you've got all your storage on site it makes their life a bit easier they're coming over to clean four or five places at once not just driving a long way to do one at a time You're trying to make their life as easy as possible because you want the three cleaning companies that we work with for each sort of venue have all grown as we have you know it's been great to have them see it as an investment in their business working with us not just as you know you do all the grunt work and we'll we'll take all the cash kind of thing
0: yeah yeah it makes sense
1: so it's easy isn't it to
0: think that the grass is greener on the other side and you know we've heard already you've spoken about some pretty inspirational numbers and and the potential cash flow that you can generate if you do it right but it's not without its challenges service company it's not what you describe as a passive uh, strategy a complete passive strategy so you know, on this podcast, we're all about warts and all and giving people the full kind of uh, lowdown on, on stuff. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced, as, particularly, I guess, as
1: you've tried to scale the business? Um, yeah, so um, I guess the challenges we've faced and we'll still continue to face a bit are that the systems we had in place when we had, you know, two or three places don't, don't necessarily scale with you so easily. So even daft things, for example, like, um, we take our own payments from Booking.com. We don't use their payment processor. Yeah. Um, so we have to take our own payment, our own deposit. But now we're incredibly busy on Booking.com. You know, suddenly it's fifty deposits taken a week. Just sitting there and refunding those back to guests when they leave is suddenly quite a yeah. you know, time-consuming job. Yeah. Um, the maintenance factor of there always being something that needs looking at across the board of. I need someone that can kind of do a bit of everything that's around all the time, but I don't really need someone that's a full-time job, but you know, it's stuff like that are quite challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably just need my own hat now that says Tom's maintenance, because I'm pretty good at fixing washing machines and stuff that goes wrong and stuff. So um, would you would you suggest then that it's important if you're going
0: to look at service accommodation that you you focus on an area and you you have a bit of a territory, a bit of a patch because there is, there are a lot more moving pieces aren't there than, than just having a buy to let and getting someone to manage it and forgetting all about it. So do you, do you try to stay focused on where you take on units uh, as opposed to just take them on
1: wherever they become available? Yeah, absolutely. We've taken on, we've taken on in, in areas within probably a 30 minute drive of us. Um, I mean, some of that is just pure, we live in a, an area where Loughborough, Leicester, there's quite a lot of reasons to visit, it's quite a good location to do it, so that's part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is hands-on, and unfortunately, it's often hands-on at lastminute.com times, you know.
0: yeah.
1: If one guest checks out at 10 o'clock and they've broken something and someone else checking in at three, if I've got to drive two hours to even get to the property, I see that as a, being a bit of a problem now. Nah. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there that've solved it, and yeah. by all means, I'd like them to get in touch with me because it's something that you know we we struggle with. Yeah, um, we've just taken on an apartment in Market Harbour, which is probably a good 45-minute drive from where I live now. Yeah, um, just purely to see how we get on with that being a little bit more remote, having to rely on the team a bit more that we've got in place there. and having to trust them a bit more i mean maybe that's something i'm a bit guilty of of not quite trusting people to do yeah what they say they will to the standard they say they will when they say they will yeah um yeah you know but part of the part of the business and the brand for me is that you know i really buy into the fact that when you get a rating on airbnb it's it's part based on the property and it's part based on the host and the team Mm -hmm. you know and we've got great scores great ratings you know lots of comments from guests about how good the service is yeah Um, partly due to i think traveling through america and canada quite a lot with tennis players because the service out there those guys get it right yeah far better than most of the stuff over here yeah um and we didn't want to get to a point where we couldn't offer that level of service because stuff was in sheffield or leeds and you know you just couldn't be there if things needed sorting quickly so Yeah, I think
0: that's a really good point. It's called cool serviced accommodation for a, a reason, isn't it? And I guess the accommodation aspect in some ways is the easy bit. Um, it's, it's the service that goes around that that leads to that kind of premium guest experience. And that's what guests are going to be commenting on. That's what your reviews are going to be based on. And so it's actually about having a great team around you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100% buy into that. You know, having the right people in the office that are good on the phone Um, you know even just have things like your sequence of messages to guests how good can you make that how easy can you make the process yeah what are your systems like in the flat for how things work how easy can you make it for people to understand if they've come from somewhere where they don't have gas or you know electric heating or that kind of stuff so
0: so there are things you can do there aren't aren't there without i mean obviously you could you could have your property managed for if you're a private landlord looking to get in service accommodation, you could you could work with a management company similar to what you're doing for your for your uh, landlord clients. But there are also plenty of ways that we can systemize and automate aspects of our own service accommodation businesses. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, a little bit about your channel manager, how that works, what that does for you. um, You know, so that it isn't necessarily you sat in front of a laptop 24-7. There are systems you've got in place that allow the business to a certain extent to run itself.
1: Yeah, so um, the channel manager we use is uh, called Taki. It's I think it's pretty reasonably popular one um it does everything we kind of need it to it makes sure that we don't get any double bookings between the different platforms um on that though we don't list on loads and loads of places so we list on booking.com airbnb and brbo yeah and then we've got our own website that you know we use for direct bookings and stuff yeah um i've always figured it's it's much better to be really visible on Airbnb and booking.com because your listing is excellent and fully filled out and edited regularly, yeah. down to be on 200 different booking sites and you're at the bottom of every single one of them because your listings are all, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where we've invested our time in that element. Um, so Keith has automated guest messaging, which we've set up, we use. I mean, it's just a sequence of probably about, six or seven messages we send to guests throughout their stay um just tell them it's an automated message just asking stuff but also you know we 24 7 we monitor all the chat so if someone has a specific question we would always go straight back to them yeah um that makes life considerably easier Mm. um we're not amazing on things like automated checking details and stuff. A lot of our properties, you have to generate a code to get through the door. Mm. Don't, I don't like lock boxes and stuff. We try not to use those. We try and use everything digital. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy in that it's remote. You can do it from home. You can change stuff, but you know, it's not hands-free either. It does require someone at the helm to do that. So mm. hence why we've got a couple of staff in the office to help with all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, where do you go from here then? So, you, you know, you built up a pretty solid portfolio. The management side seems to be taking off, which is great. What are your plans moving forwards for your, for your service accommodation business?
1: Um, a good question. We've kind of, our goal for the year was to get to 30. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've hit that pretty early on. And so things have changed a little. Uh, and have, probably, if I'm honest, we haven't had time to sit down and sort of reassess where we go from here. Yeah. Um, we'll probably use the next year to sort of save up some capital again, pay off some of the stuff that we've we've bought and invested in. Yeah. Um, you know, even that things but like, you know, having now a team of people and having to invest in all the computer kit and new printers and stuff, you know, it's quite expensive. So yeah. that's going to take a little bit of a bit of time to just get that sorted. Yeah. Um Personally, we probably won't buy any more properties ourselves in terms of to run a service accommodation. Yeah. We'd always wanted to get into developing for ourselves.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we'll probably, that will probably be the next step for us really. Um, and then diversifying into some other businesses. So Mark will know this, but you guys at home probably won't. That I bought into like a camper van hire business at the start of the year. Um, looking at a couple of other things at the moment that might, might spend a little bit of time on as well. Fantastic. Sounds great. So what is your
0: property business done for you then? So you talked about, you know, not wanting to be you know, pounding the concrete and, 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 and coaching long hours, you know, as that, how has life changed for you? I know it's not like you're sat on a beach at the moment, you know, your property business keeps you pretty busy, but what, what have you managed to achieve? What, what life changing stuff has happened to you as a result of what you've been
1: able to achieve in property? Um, oh, well, so it's, it's essentially given me a bit more choice and a bit more freedom in that, um, you know, I, I coach now because I want to. I coach yeah. about eight hours a week, yeah. um, which is nice. It's, it's allowed me to sort of see the coaching business as a business owner and not to be an operator. So that's been, that's been pretty good. It's nice to still be involved with that. We've got a team of like 10 guys that work for us and with us. It's yeah. great to still be involved with those guys without having the pressure of you know, a nine-to-five job. Yeah, Financially, it's been you know, incredible, really. Yeah. Our our turnover now is more than I would have made in a year, and we would probably do that in you know fourteen days now. It's it's that's that's been a bit different, and trying to get used to that and how you you know use that asset better and look after your family a bit more with it and stuff. So it's given me a lot of challenges, which I've enjoyed. I feel like I've grown. I've learnt lots of new skills. You know, and I think that's the joy of doing property stuff. Every every development we've taken on everything we've done has been slightly different. So, you know, it doesn't feel like it's just a grind, even though you've perhaps got quite a lot of the skills from one project to take to the next one. It doesn't feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over again.
0: Yeah. So for anyone, always a tricky question, this one, but for anyone who might be looking to follow in your footsteps and start their own kind of service accommodation business or move into that, what piece of advice would you have for them just starting out?
1: Um, I guess that I'll I'll start with like what I would say don't do because I've seen okay. lots of people do this is kind of start with the end in mind of like you know if you if you're determined you're going to go into it then think about who your market is yeah. what your location becomes how you dress your property and how you then go about looking after it don't get trapped into sort of I've seen lots of people get into it without really having thought that through and so they develop a property that's incredibly well dressed, incredibly expensive and in an area where there's no demand for that. Yeah. And they end up filling it with contractors all the time, yeah. even though they've spent 10,000 pounds on soft furnishings, yeah. you know, try and have everyone's keen, everyone's excited, but it's like almost just take a step back, have a look at it from a different perspective and be like, right, where do I want to finish up? What do I want? Who's my market? And it that way really.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And then I guess the other thing would be, you know, to invest in the team around you, you know, as much as we've done quite well without the cleaners, without a bookkeeper, the girls in the office, you know, none of this would exist. You know, if they all left me tomorrow, then I'm done getting water. You couldn't possibly do all the work. So, you know, it's having the right people around you there, spending some time getting to work with those people. I see lots of, I don't know the feedback I get from all our cleaners is we really like working with you because you've never once got cross about anything. Yeah. It's like, well, no, because I, you know, yes, we've had cleans missed and stuff gets forgotten and someone's not cleaned a microwave, but you've got to work with those people because I need them to turn up again tomorrow and do the job a bit better. Yeah. Not scream, rant and rave at them and then they leave. Yeah. You know, so it is that kind of investing in that team around you, whether that's, the time you spend with them on how you want things doing or the you know we've helped some of our guys have better systems by because they weren't very good on the computer and invoicing and stuff and we've shown them how we do it and help them just that kind of you know has has built some loyalty really so when the chips are down and at 11 o'clock at night someone needs something doing they'll pick up the phone and help so. yeah
0: that's a really nice way of looking at it like from that perspective, because in terms of building loyalty and the fact that it's a two-way street, because you hear so many times investors, you might say, Oh God, I've gone through so many builders. I just can't seem to work with a good builder or I've gone through so many cleaning companies. And there needs to come to a point where you kind of, you've got to look at yourself as well, haven't you? And go, actually, you know, I've got to be a good client. I've got to be a good business partner, whatever it else, you yeah. know, you've got to, you've got to build that loyalty as a two-way thing. Yeah.
1: hundred hundred hundred, percent. Um, You know, I I get, I personally, I get a great deal of enjoyment out of that, you know, uh, over lockdown, we were very fortunate to be, you know, really busy still, you know, it was very easy while everyone's moaning about how tough it is because some of our other businesses had to close and stuff, but kind of sitter and go, I'm still employing like 25 people and I'm able to pay them and keep them going. And that's great. I like that a lot, you know, that we were able to do that. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for talking to me and talking to all of us today. It's been fascinating to hear about your journey and I know you will have um, whetted a lot of appetites uh, for service accommodation. So if people did want to reach out to you or follow your, follow your stuff, see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, okay. So happy for you. I don't know if you share this with all you guys, send my email address around. Um, yeah. Our Instagram is at sanctuary service accommodation. Uh, we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn under the same. I'll be honest. I don't use LinkedIn a great deal, but uh, you get me on the other two. But, yeah, same phone number, whatever, you know, happy yeah. if, anyone wants, if anyone wants to chat, wants to reach out, more than happy for them to get in touch.
0: Great stuff, um, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll pop all that in the show notes as well so everyone's got that to hand, so that would be great.
1: And I guess last thing then will just be to apologize to everyone for listening to my squeaky Mickey mouse voice for the last uh, 30 <laughs> minutes, you know?
0: No, all been good. It's been fantastic to, uh, to hear about your journey and um, thank you so much, Tom. I know you're a, you're a busy man. Thanks for giving up your time and um, I will speak to you again soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Mark. Take care.
0: Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that episode As I mentioned, Tom was one of the people that inspired me to start my own serviced accommodation business a few years ago. And the attention to detail and service that he talks about are exactly the kind of things you need to understand if you're planning to start an SA business of your own. You can connect with Tom on social media and his email is tom at sanctuarieservicedaccommodation.co.uk why not also join us over on the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. Even if service accommodation isn't your thing, we have a whole host of other mentors and experienced investors in a wide range of strategies who are adding huge value over in the PWS community. Please like and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you get a minute to leave us a quick review, that would mean a lot. And it will also help other people to discover the podcast. Thanks again for listening and I will catch you on the next episode.